Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today uh, by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, how did uh, how did you enjoy your first of two bye weeks? Byes week. Uh, what do we do with that one? Um, A bye week eye. I think is, yeah. would be the correct I, I terminology. Was, I thought it was like a like an attorney's general thing, but I, I, mm. I I'm not. I, I mean, I major in journalism and minor in English, so I should probably know this, but neither here nor there. How was your week? It was lovely. I actually watched very little college football. We went hi, Holly's. My wife's. Ooh, I just exposed my wife's name on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't worry. I, I, I went to your wedding. I know your wife's name. <laughs> Uh, my wife's parents were here, so we did a bunch of typical Seattle things, Space Needle, went for a hike to a waterfall, stuff like that. So I actually didn't really watch much college football. I just followed on my phone laughing at Michigan, really. Yeah, we're not going to do uh, Big Ten picks this week, and we would like to apologize for that. But uh, we will take a moment here uh, to laugh at Michigan because, good lord, uh, like – did you get to watch any of that game, Nick, or were you just out and about and unable to pay any attention to that? I didn't. I don't think I. No, I don't think I watched any of it. Oof, oh boy, brother, brother, brother! It was, it was bad. Um, it's one of those things. Like it's one of those games that I'm going to remember watching because it was just so. Like it is just seared into my brain how bad Michigan looked for that entire time. But neither here nor there. Uh, we're not a Michigan podcast, even though we talk about them more than most Michigan podcasts. Probably uh, we're a Penn State podcast, and this week Penn State, our beloved Nittany Lions, have what I would call a very interesting game. Nick, they're heading to College Park to take on a Maryland team that started the season on fire, blowout win over Howard, a what appeared to be a very, very impressive blowout win over Syracuse. That is, the shine has come off that a bit. And then two weeks ago, they uh, went to Temple on the road, had a tough go of it there by week, now playing Penn State. So this one is on a Friday night, as we mentioned, 8 p.m. kick, FS1, Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And, Nick, as I look at this game, I don't know if it's more because of Penn State or if it's more because of Maryland and the circumstances surrounding this game, how they've, how they've looked when they've looked good, how they've promoted this game. It's a sellout. It's a blackout, all this stuff. But I just have a really weird feeling about this one. Do you share that? Um, kind of. I I think the I think the Maryland start to the season. Now they have some really great players, but I think their start to the season is a little bit overblown. And I think it partially is because um, they have a new head coach with Mike Loxley. But you think back to the last few years, this really isn't anything different than what Maryland's done to start. Every season. I mean, even one of these years, it was Howard that they beat up on like they did this year. But if you think in their recent history, it's their seasons have almost almost always started with a blowout win and then a win over Texas. It was ranked and then some weird loss. And then they get into the regular like it's really no different than what this year was, except instead of Texas, it was Syracuse. So it's 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 interesting how much more hype Maryland is getting this year as compared to past years when it's really not all that different. And uh, part of that is probably also to do with the fact of uh, do do the fact that they came so close to beating Ohio state last year. So there's a little bit of juice from the 2018 uh, team still kind of in the air, but um, 
yeah, it, it's so it. I I'm concerned a little bit just because they have a good amount of skill position talent. Um, Josh Jackson has shown an ability to complete at least those short passes. Um, and of course it's a Friday night game and it surely will be weird. Like you mentioned the blackout. Uh, it's all the, all the ingredients are there for a weird, weird, weird game, but I'm not quite as scared of Maryland as I think some fans are. Yeah. And one thing that I think, uh, I do want to mention at this point, and it's actually a pretty good transition into breaking down this game and starting with Maryland's offense is that they, you know, they have a bit of, you know, that new head coach bump that every program gets. Uh, Mike Locks, whose last uh, stint as a head coach went up, we'll say not well. Uh, but in that time, he's bounced around a few times, most recently at Alabama, uh, where he was the uh, program. He definitely called the plays. He was the, well, here's the thing. He only called the plays that didn't work. Uh, the plays that did work, Josh Gaddis called those. Josh Gaddis yes. has never called a play that hasn't worked. It's important that everyone remembers this as we watch Michigan do something that vaguely resembles football and um, get their rears kicked by Wisconsin. Neither here nor there. But Loxley... Loxley, he is a good offensive mind for all the things that we can say about him. We can absolutely say that he's someone, he has a long history with James Franklin. He is someone who I think he understands the magnitude of this game and he understands what it would mean for his program. If four games into his tenure, that, like we said, that Syracuse game kind of has some of the shine taken off of it. But if they can beat a frit, you know, a team right on the fringe of the top ten that also happens to be the program that Maryland considers to be its big rival in football, I think he knows how big of a boost that would be for his school. And where that comes into the Maryland's offense thing, Nick, is last two weeks ago against Pitt, we saw we went into that game thinking that Pitt's defense was going to throw every single thing that it could throw at Sean Clifford in an attempt to confuse him, in an attempt to test his mettle against uh, a Power 5 opponent for the first time. I think Maryland is going to just throw every single trick that it has up its sleeve at this Penn State defense with the hopes that it's going to be able to get the ball you know, Josh Jackson's going to be able to make the make good throws. Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak and Jake Funk and Tayon Fleet Davis, that they're, they're even Lorenzo Harrison, their group of running backs are going to attack this Penn State defense with every single thing that they have. And that's where I think I'm a little I can get a little bit worried about this game because even though Penn State's defense is that good, and I think it is really good, I think Maryland's offense is going to do it's going to do everything it can to go above and beyond to test it and try and beat it. Yeah, and I think that's a really good parallel that you drew there. Um, like you said, last week, Pitt throwing everything Sean Clifford could see on the defensive side of the ball. This week, we'll probably see the same from Maryland, but offensively, um, like we'll probably see a, at least a couple jet sweeps. We'll maybe maybe a flea flicker. Like every every weird thing you can do on offense. I definitely expect Maryland to pull out for this game. Um, and that's in addition, of course, to just handing the ball to Anthony McFarland because McFarland's a dude. He's 
fantastic running back. Um, but yeah, that that's a really interesting that's a really interesting parallel that I definitely agree with. I I, I definitely see the Penn State defense being tested um, to the highest degree that they have been to this point. Uh, they just haven't had. I, I mean, Buffalo played okay offensively i guess i i know it didn't translate to the scoreboard but they had a few drives where they moved the ball so um i guess the best test since then since the pit offense didn't really do a whole lot i mean kenny pickett threw the ball well but they didn't really they didn't really string together too much i would say um but yeah i i would i definitely expect to see weird things on offense i think they will keep Josh Jackson within his comfort zone as much as they can and not and what that means is really not asking him to complete passes more than 10 yards down the field um I think it'll be a lot of Anthony McFarland and as we've seen in past years that I mean that's been the Maryland MO for multiple years now is run the football to win uh, no uh, matter whether Nick, it was if I may interject for a second could you are yeah. you using the headsets that we had from back in our old podcasting days perchance no, I'm not. Why is my sound weird? You're you're getting real robot-y on me, my guy. Oh boy! All right, let me unplug and replug real quick. All right, uh, this podcast is not sponsored by anyone because no one will sponsor us. So if you would <laughs> shoot us a DM, <laughs> Nick, continue. Is this any better? Oh uh, yeah, that sounds better. Okay. If this if if it gets worse again, tell me and I'll just unplug. And I'll just talk into my uh, laptop. Um, yes, like I was saying, it whether it's the Ty Johnson, Lorenzo Harrison, Anthony McFarland, whoever they had over the past couple seasons, it's it always goes through the run game, and that's always how they've had to try to beat Penn State, and it hasn't worked out for them really. Um, so, but there's not a whole lot they can do about that. That that's their thing. So that's what I expect to see on Friday. Yeah, and this is a really good test for Penn State's defense. Um, it's pass rush. It has to get to Jackson. Because while I do, like you mentioned, I, this is not meant to be a slight against Josh Jackson. He's a really good court. He will pick you apart underneath. I mean, he didn't have a ton of success against Temple uh, two weeks ago, 15 for 38, uh, touchdown to pick. But he's really good at getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers. And if there's one thing that this Maryland offense does have, it is guys who are fast and it's guys who are elusive and it's guys who... If they get the ball in space, you know, they don't have they don't have Rondale Moore. They don't have one of the many freaks of nature that Ohio State has in their offense, but they have guys who can go out and make plays. And I think that's where this Penn State team is going to be tested. And fortunately, Penn State's defense, its strength uh, in my money isn't how fast it is. So that's the thing that I think Penn State's going to have to look out for. I'm glad that you mentioned like gadget plays and stuff like that, Nick, because it's not the Matt Canada type offense every more where it's all smoke and mirrors, but Loxley's a, he, he's a very brave play caller. He, uh, he won the Broyles award last year as the nation's top assistant coach when he was at uh, Alabama. And I think he's going, I think every coach probably has that last page or two in its play of tricks in, in it's a, uh, sorry, on it in its playbook and I wouldn't be surprised if Loxley goes into those to try and confuse the Penn State defense, try and get them going into one direction, creating a little bit of space for a guy like a McFarland that he could then exploit and just make plays that way. The one thing that I absolutely think is critical, absolutely, 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 Penn State's pass rush has to get home. Penn State's pass rush 
I, I think you would probably agree with me, Nick. It has been a bit underwhelming to start the year. And for a Maryland team that has allowed five sacks in three games, it's going to have to get get to Jackson. First, it has to win at the line of scrimmage, and it has to disrupt that run game. And then when Jackson's dropping back to pass, you cannot let him nickel and dime. You have Yitor Grossmatos, Shane Simmons, all those guys have to get into the backfield and have to get to him. Yeah, they definitely haven't been as good as we uh, expected going in. Uh, that's that being said, it's still early. There's still time, but yeah, I agree. If if they can disrupt Jackson and force him to throw before he's ready, even even with how quick Maryland's offense moves sometimes, even just getting some pressure, um, that'll make a big difference. And a th- a th- one last thing with Maryland, uh, this gets back to what has been Penn State's big issue. On the season, the Nittany Lions 127th in time of possession nationally. Uh, Maryland is 38th, one spot below none other than the University of Pittsburgh. So I want to be able to see Penn State do that. And of course, that last thing goes hand in hand with the pass rush getting home. They have to get off the field. And the offense sometimes has to give them a little bit more time to breathe. So as we sit back, as we look just on that side of the ball... It's, slow, it's making sure Maryland can't get out and run. It's making sure Maryland can't bleed clock. And then it's doing the one thing that they have done very, very well this season, which is not what opponents score points. Penn State comes into this game. Some uh, Let me see if I can find this. Scoring defense, where are you? Uh, Penn State comes into this game uh, tied for fourth nationally in scoring defense. Uh, that's a bit... Would would it be inflated or deflated if it's at if it's a low number like that? Uh, well, I think deflated. It would be. Please, de- please. I mean, I think I think people understand what you mean if you yes. say inflated. Please though. tweet at me if I'm wrong, and please be nice. That number is going to be a bit off because of the caliber of offenses the Penn State has played. Neither here nor there. Get off the field. Do not let Maryland make big plays. It really is that simple. Because if you take that Maryland crowd out of the game, suddenly this game becomes a little bit more interesting. This game becomes a little less interesting. Apologies. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, Nick. Uh, how do I say this? I would like it a lot if Penn State's offense scored a lot of points. What does Penn State's offense need to do to score a lot of points? I don't think it's anything specific they need to do. The Maryland defense is not all that strong. Keandre Jones is a great, great, great linebacker. The robot, Ohio robot, State. robot. All right. I'm just going to talk to my computer. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you pretty good. We're, folks, this is uh, stuff that I would normally cut. I would normally cut. There we go. Whoa, there hold, we go. On, hold on. Hold uh, on. Because I am speaking uh, and there is – no, uh, unless you were muting your mic, it's going to sound like there's an echo, and my echo kind of sounds like Andre the Giant. So let's be cognizant of that. Okay, I will, I'll do my best. Um, Hold on, I like so, it when I sound like Andre the Giant. <laughs> um, yeah, so the only thing that really scares me out of Maryland's defense is Keandre Jones. He's a great, great linebacker, um, and I think, I think other than him, there's not really a whole lot that Penn State needs to be worried about uh they should be able to run the normal offense they should be able to complete passes hopefully they'll be able to run the ball hopefully the offensive line will be able to open some things up 
Um, but the, the Maryland defense is really not not much to write home about. I, I don't think it should be too much of an issue for Penn State. Well, I, I will push back against that a little bit because coming into this game, Maryland is sixth nationally in opponent third down conversions. Opponents are converting 23.9% of their field third downs against Maryland. Uh, they're also sixth in uh, opponent scoring percentage in the red zone, which that doesn't say a whole hell of a lot. They have that it's three for five. The sample size isn't particularly huge there. And of course, we know what Penn State likes to do. We know it likes to be the big playoff. offense. But that third down number, that is something that I'm kind of dog-earing because I'm just so, so sick and tired of Penn State being terrible on third downs. They are... It, we don't need to go over the stats kind of how bad they can be on that particular down, but it's something that they really need to be able to get into positions where they're not letting Maryland's strength, which is, like you said, when Keandre Jones or really just their pass rush in general, they are they've had 13 sacks through three games, pin their ears back and get to the quarterback and they're able to bring that pressure, and they're able to be aggressive. Penn State can't find itself in those situations, especially because with this being Sean Clifford's first career uh, road start, these are the kind of things that give me a little bit of pause. The fact that Maryland's defense is good at stuff like third downs, like creating that little bit of havoc, that Penn State isn't necessarily great at going up against. What I will say, though, is that if there is one thing that Maryland is not particularly good at, and this is something that I'm a little bit more comfortable saying they might not actually be good at because they have played, while Howard wasn't exactly trying to throw it all over the place, they have played a Power 5 team in Syracuse that did want to go out and did want to throw the football. I They, they threw it. 30 no they threw it 41 times in that game temple 37 times when they played maryland is a hundred and where is it 117th in passes defended this season they have defended eight passes on the year and i just wonder i just wonder is this the game where penn state really lets loose with its with sean clifford and with what's wide receiving core and Nick, with how Penn State likes to make these big plays in their offense going against a team that if you can get the ball out of your quarterback's hand, you're going to have opportunities to beat them in the passing game. I have to think, even with the hostile environment they're going to be walking into, this is the game where they let Sean Clifford do that. I agree. And I think they I think they kind of have to. I, I think in order for this offense to find a rhythm he has to be throwing down the field. We we saw it in the pick game when those downfield shots weren't hitting, whether it was due to the wet turf or whatever else, it, it made a substantial difference. And that's not going to help Penn State solve any of its current efficiency problems or ability to prolong drives, but it's something that they absolutely have to do. And that for that exact reason, I think we will see Ricky Ronnie really let Clifford loose. And I think we'll see Hamler and hopefully shorter and Dotson all getting downfield, um, all being ready to make big plays. 
Sorry, muted my mic. And yeah, Pitt's right in, not Pitt, Maryland is right in the middle of the country in uh, passing defense. Their rushing defense is, re- it is a strength of this team. They are 10th nationally in rushing defense, even though they haven't exactly gone up Chandra against. DeAndre Jones. Right, they haven't exactly gone up against a triple option team. So I, I would like to see, you know, Penn State's, here, here's a question that'll put you on the spot. What do you want Penn State's running back rotation to be? Because I have an answer to this, and I think you might have the same answer to this. Uh, I mean, I I feel like Penn State internet would come after me if I said anything other than more Noah Kane. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I think Noah Kane. I really do think Journey Brown ran the ball well, though. I think he deserves a good amount of carries too. Um, I, I would absolutely yeah. agree with that. But yeah, I we I would not hate it if they just put Noah Kane and C.J. Thorpe in a lot and said, "Hey, we're going to run for five yards on every play. Please stop us." But uh, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, so I don't think we can go too far uh, down that rabbit hole. Moving on, what, as we look at this game and as we look at this Penn State team, what, Nick, is the biggest thing that you want to see out of Penn State going into this one against Maryland? I think for me it's the same thing that it's been the first three weeks of the season. Well, three games of the season, I guess. Um, I just want to see Clifford continue to work through his reads and work through his progressions. He's, I know Sean Fitz of Lions 247 talked about this over the past week or so about how Clifford seems to be locking onto his first read and the ball's either going there or the ball's going there. It's That's kind of it. So I, I would really enjoy seeing him actually scan the field and move through his different targets to pick out the best option. Um, but again, like I've said since the beginning, that that's going that combined with making the right reads on the the RPO and the read option, that's was always going to be a thing the thing that was going to take the longest. So I'm not expecting perfection in that regard, but just continued progress is that's what I want to see. I, I I'm on the same wavelength with you on that. But I'm going to go to just a more broad thing here, which is that I want to see them make life easy on themselves. Like, I don't want to see them getting into situations where we've seen it enough over the last two years where Penn State finds a way on both sides of the ball to shoot itself in the foot. I think on offense how frequently it's an incomplete pass on first down leads to a two-yard run on second down leads to oh god we're in a third and eight what the hell are we going to do here or it gets to a third and two third and three and someone misses a block or someone drops a pass or on the other side of the football if they allow a first down on a first and long on a third and long on a screen pass in this game I think there is a chance that every Penn State's fan's brain is going to just start oozing out of their ears. And it's just the stuff like that. Like, when you get to the quarterback, wrap him up and take him down. Like, if he makes a play, he makes a play. But make do the things that... I don't want to say the basic things. I don't want to say the simple things because I'm some schlub talking about this and I don't know how hard it is. But do the stuff that if you are... If you are able to just make those plays and you're able to put yourself in, you're able to take advantage of being in the position that you put yourself in to succeed, you're going to be fine. You don't, you don't need to drop a pass. You don't need to uh, run 
you know, you don't have to run right into a linebacker because someone whiffed on a block. Like, all these little things, they add up. If not over the course of a game, they add up over the course of a season. And I want to see them start making that next step. I think these first three games have served as an opportunity for them to kind of figure some stuff out. And then they go into their bye week, and it gives them a chance to look back and say, we have a sample of three games against an FCS team, against a Power a group of five team against a power five team. What can we do and where are the areas where we can get better? Where are the areas where we are good? We can just tweak some things, all these things. And I want to see that come to fruition. I think it will, Nick. We will go into predictions in a second, but to answer two questions really quickly, how does Penn State win this game and how does Penn State lose this game? I think to win, in order for Penn State to win this game, they need to stop the run on defense, and on offense, they need to get back to hitting on big plays. I don't think the key to winning this game is the efficiency on offense that we talked about. I think it would be great, but I think Penn State's formula for winning this game is basically what it's been for the first three games of the year. Um, And we saw how that almost didn't work against Pitt. Um, But yeah, make those big plays, limit their efficiency, and then I think that I think that's how they win this game. Um, as far as how they lose, uh, I think you got into it a little bit with the third downs. If their offense continues to put themselves in tough positions with third and long, um, I think this could be a this could be a rough Friday night because while Maryland is surely not as offensively dynamic as they looked in weeks one and two, um, I think they're much more of a maybe high 20s 30 point per game team on average than a 60 70 point team um but if penn state is constantly going three and out they're leaving themselves long third downs they're not converting they're leaving their defense out to dry forcing them to play a lot of snaps maryland is just going to dink and dunk and get four or five yards at a time and they're going to work their way down the field and eventually it's going to wear this defense out I'm excited for you to mute your mic and then turn around and scream at your dog to stop barking and that you'll be there in a second. Uh, he's, ac- he's actually in the other room, so Aww. there's not much I can do from here. <laughs> yeah, I, for Penn State to win this game, I really think it just has... It has to stop Maryland from doing the stuff that we know Maryland's going to want to do. They're going to want to bring pressure. They're going to want to get to Clifford. They're going to want to rattle him. And they're going to want to run the football. And they're going to want to get the ball into the hands of their playmakers, especially on the perimeter, which I do think plays into Penn State pretty well because I do think for the flaws this pass rush has had and for how fast Jackson is going to get the ball out of his hands, I think that Penn State has a really fast, really aggressive defense that is going to be able to get to positions to get those guys and take them down. Uh, And then, yeah, like I said on offense, don't do dumb stuff. Like, y'all know what that means. We've seen enough out of Penn State that we know what they are capable of doing when they're good. Don't put them, don't be in positions where you're, where you're going to be able to take away from your ability to do those things. Then how does Penn State lose it? If this game is close going into the fourth quarter, if Penn State doesn't have Maryland, I don't want to, like, obviously not buried by halftime. If Penn State isn't comfortable at halftime and then, isn't 
in a position where it's going to take something pretty miraculous for Maryland to come back in the fourth quarter, I'm a bit worried because I think that this Maryland team, like we said, they're going to have the juice. They're going to be playing in front of a crowd that has the juice. And while we know that James Franklin in recent years has really liked uh, pouring it on against Maryland, you know, Maryland beat Penn State that first time that they played a few years back. And then last year, Penn State thrashed them 38-3 to in Happy Valley. The year before, that was the 66-3 to game in Maryland. Uh then 2016, I mean, that was the that was the game between the Minnesota game and the Ohio State game. That was their first game figuring out that they were a really, really good football team. So Maryland has been an interesting game for Penn State each of, in each of the last few years. And my hope is that Maryland doesn't have three years of just pent-up anger and emotion and they're going to take that all out on Penn State. Don't let Maryland be in a position to win this game late. Because if they do, I'm a, I think they can win it. Uh, which is to say, I don't know if they necessarily will. I think Penn State has the horses to win this game. And for how much I think Maryland's going to go for broke on stuff, I think that's going to put them in a position where they're going to make mistakes. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking in this one? I'm guessing that you have Penn State coming out on top. I do. I, I think the the talent difference will be enough in the end. I agree with you that if this is a one-score game late, things are going to get really dicey really quickly. But I see this more ending up as a one-score game because of a late touchdown from Maryland rather than uh, Maryland driving with the ball and Penn State's defense ends the game. Um, I think this one probably ends up in the realm of 34, 35 to 27-28. So I right around that line of six and a half. I, personally, I wouldn't touch this game. Um, but oh, yeah, no. I do. I do think I do think Penn State comes out on top in the end. I it, it'll look. I think when all is said and done, the scoreboard will look slightly closer than it actually was. But it it should be it should be a good football game. It should be an entertaining, fun football game. Real quick, sixty one and a half. If you did have to put money on anything, you would hammer that under, correct? <sighs> Probably, yeah, because I don't, I don't think Pence. Oh man, I don't know. Oh, man, Vegas is smart. It's such a good number. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I most likely under, but I could also very easily see Penn State getting into the forties. So I, I, all I can say with certainty is I feel like Maryland probably sneaks its way into the twenties. That's all. That's all I feel like I can say. I, with I think that's fair. And uh, with that number, and with Penn State being six and a half, the implied score uh, would be something in the vicinity of thirty-four to twenty-eight, something yeah. right around there. Which I think that sounds about right. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit below that. Um, one, the two things that can happen after buys are teams go look really, really good. Our teams go look really, really slow, and I would not be surprised if these teams took a bit to get calibrated. I would guess, I'm thinking something along the lines of Penn State 28, or Penn State 27 or Penn State 28, and then Maryland in the vicinity of 17 to 10, uh, 17 to 20. I think this is a relatively low-scoring game. I think that these teams are going to try and do some big stuff, and it's just not going to quite work. But Penn State's 71 to 
29 uh, matchup predictor on ESPN's FPI. Uh, the Nittany Lions are 11 in SP plus, while Maryland sits at 34th. Uh, Maryland, a big thing that we did not get a chance to really touch on because uh, we're doing a quicker pot here. Penn State sixth in special teams SP plus, Maryland 127th. Uh, not a particularly great number. I remember here, uh, let me just double check one thing. Uh, usually when that's the number, it means you don't have a particularly great place kicker. And yeah, they are 0 for 1 on field goals this season. They had a defensive back take a PAT. I'm going to research that when we get off this podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's that seems about right. I If Maryland can't kick field goals, then obviously that adds a bit of a that adds a bit of a wrinkle to it, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening when uh, pick one. Pick one Penn State defender not named Micah Parsons, who you would want to see take kick a field goal. Uh, PJ, Mustafa. and I say not Mike. I, I say not Micah Parsons because I think he actually did some of that in high school. Either PJ, either oh no. Well, for one, Maryland's field goal kicker, just to be clear, went twelve for fourteen on field goals last year, so he probably is pretty decent. Um, I would say PJ Mustafer or Robert Windsor because I want a big old boy doing that. Okay, now alternative question to that. What would you rather see? PJ Mustafer slash Robert Windsor kicking a field goal or Jake Pinnegar playing safety? Um, I will go for the big guy taking the field goal because I think you always take the big guy doing the thing because that's more interesting. Fair enough. Yeah, for those who don't know, that wasn't just out of thin air. Jake Pinnegar was an all-state safety. Yeah, in high school. Jake Pinnegar. Mr. Forgotten Man Jake Pinnegar, I hope he gets a chance to bang in a couple from like 39 to 42 yards out. That would be nice. He's looked good. He has looked good. It's just He's getting good height on the ball. The, it's funny how he looks good this year and he looks like they fixed the issue of he's bat. He isn't great from one hash mark or whatever it is, uh, but it doesn't matter because they have one dude with a turbocharged leg who can kick field goals from the other side of the 50. Uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Instead of do, we're going to do a real quick condensed Big Ten chat. I don't care about Middle Tennessee against Iowa. Do you, Nick? Nope. Uh, Northwestern Wisconsin. The number is forty-seven. Wisconsin minus twenty-four and a half. Uh, Wisconsin is going to win this game, something like thirty-five to nothing. Do you agree? Yeah, but I think it's like forty-eight to three. Oh, that's put. That's a lot of faith in Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern's <laughs> offense, to be clear. Uh, Michigan Rutgers. Uh, do you just want to laugh at this one? Oh, man, I'm so tempted to take Rutgers plus 27 and a half. I'm so <sighs> tempted. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's I mean, I'm not going to, but gun to my head, I think i probably take Rutgers plus the points. Yeah, it, well, see, I don't know. I think Michigan's going to try and pour it on to whatever extent they can pour it on. They do have better players than Rutgers, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers just has, like, you know, their defense just makes one or two plays because Michigan will let you make one or two plays. And then Raheem Blackshear and uh, Isaiah Pacheco are both good football players. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Rutgers, we have just enough faith in you. Um, Michigan State, Indiana, I plan on watching absolutely none of this because this <laughs> game is going to be disgusting. Yeah, I think Michigan State's favored by 14 nope. last I checked. Nope. The over-under of this game is 44 and a half, and I just want to know what games anyone has been watching that they think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Well, Mich- Michigan State Northwestern hit the over last week. so What was that number, Nick? Last week it was 38 and a half. This requires six more points. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, yeah. 
Minnesota Purdue. Um, Minnesota is like the fake good team in college football this year. They're three and zero by after being South Dakota State by seven points, Fresno State by three, and Georgia Southern by three. And Purdue, despite being one and two, like they lost to TCU and they lost a road game to Nevada, which is a tough one, and they. Uh, beat up on Vandy pretty good. I would not be surprised if Rondale Moore just ends this Minnesota thing as we know it. What do you think? Uh, I My first instinct was Minnesota, but I do agree that I, in pickup game, pick games like this, I'm usually going to lean towards the team that has the best player, so that would be Rondale Moore. Purdue is a home dog by one and a half points. Oh, really? Last I, last I looked, it was a pick Interesting. Yeah, uh, listen, gambling advice from your friends Nick and Bill. If you can get that at um, Purdue plus one and a half, we highly recommend smashing that. Last one, Ohio State, Nebraska. Um, Ohio State's a 17-point favorite, and the number is 66 and a half. I don't think anyone... Ohio State in the over. I don't think anyone doesn't know our thoughts on Nebraska uh, and how we aren't exactly over the moon about them, but even so, anyone who thinks this game has the potential to be last year's Ohio State-Purdue game, I think Ohio State is just going to just grind Nebraska into dust. I don't think this one's anywhere near close. Ohio State 51, Nebraska 14. Yeah, I'll give them 21 because it's a home game and Martinez is interesting, but man, this one has the potential to get out of hand real quick. Please, if you have the potential, if you are offered any like somewhat favorable to Nebraska number on this one just ignore it because this game's gonna suck uh do you think Ohio State wins the Big Ten I'm gonna ask you this right now and I'm going to then we're going to leave probably yeah I agree so sorry to end it on such a sad note but that's it for this week's edition of the podcast was a bit of a truncated episode but hope y'all enjoyed it regardless um make sure you're doing what we always want you to do, which is subscribing to the pod, heading out to iTunes, leaving us a nice uh, review. Again, those reviews do end up helping us, so we really would appreciate them. Make sure you're following us on our various social media channels. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. And the best way to support those sh- the site, as always, keep buying some shirts. Matt has a big old pile of them in his basement, and he would love to give them to you. Thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Polak, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Bye.